All right, welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only podcast. Uh, ben Standing here. We're gonna. I, I really wasn't anticipating doing another podcast after I just did one more or less a little over 24 hours ago. But it's not even that the schedule's out, but we're going to talk about the schedule mostly. But Washington made a move officially. They, well, I, I take that back. They haven't officially made the move, but it's all over the place, confirmed that all that stuff. They are signing left tackle Charles Leno. That is notable. So I'm going to mention that, talk mostly, though, about the schedule. We're going to do all that here with friend of the podcast, voice of the Hoyas, with all, with all due respect to Rich Fotkin. This is the real voice of the Hoyas. Uh, Bobby Bancroft, uh, also former Washington football team season ticket holder. So he's not just here for his good looks. He's here because he has thoughts, I assume. Right. Is that fair? Yeah. Look, let's not, let's not uh, put me above rich there. I thank you for the kind words. Um, we can be, I can be uh, I should the second voice. The, I should put you above the guy that's called every single game since like the 18, you know, since 1950s or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I'll go ahead and say uh, the second voice of the Hoyas. I'll definitely try and weasel my way in, into that uh, position. <laughs> All right, so we'll, we'll we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll, we'll Bobby here. Maybe we'll even we'll dabble into a couple of Georgetown things because they were in, in the news today as well. Uh, interesting schedule. The last five weeks are super weird. <laughs> uh, somebody who's going to travel to games. I'm a fan of part of it. So uh, we'll get to all that, and we'll talk about Charles Leno in just a sec. Quick reminder, as always, you can, of course, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you do your podcasting. Uh, as I said, I already did one this week with um, Jason Lockenfora from CBS Sports talking about uh, the offseason, perception of this team under Ron Rivera, and more. Plus, spoke with North Carolina offensive coordinator uh, Phil Longo about his w- former wide receiver. He's now here, of course, Deami Brown. Uh, good insight there and talked a bunch about all things about the NFL draft and, and, uh, and, and more had Bruce Feldman the other day have had a lot of good guests. So check out the podcast. And of course you can also subscribe to the athletic. I have a story up about Charles Leno, what the ramifications mean. Although honestly, probably gonna talk most about that here. So you don't have to read that one, but go subscribe. Anyway, Bobby is a big subscriber. He would absolutely tell you that you should subscribe um, <laughs> for, 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 for everything. Uh, so do all that. Follow me on Twitter at Ben Standing. You can follow Bobby at Bobby Bancroft. Uh, I, I guess we can get started. Well, I guess I should talk about the tackle before we get to the schedule. Um, would you do you have any Leno late night jokes you'd like to get in now that uh, you know? I give everybody. I mean, everybody gets like one free one, and then we have to kind of move on. Do you have any you'd like to say, uh, or 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 are you not prepared? You're going to take this one on the chin. Get it? Because. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take it on the chin. Okay. Um, so, Washington, I, I don't know where you, you rank tackle among your offseason, on your Washington offseason uh, needs bingo card. It was obviously something I think it was kind of high on the list. We talked about it the whole draft. They did, of course, take Sam Cosme in the second round. Uh, Bobby's a big college football guy, so I don't know if you have takes on him. But in any event, it's an interesting move that, because I mean, he's he appears to be an upgrade over what they had. He was the starting tackle in Chicago when Cornelius Lucas was there in 2019. Obviously, Lucas finished up the year here at left tackle. He was the right tackle for the Bears over the last eight games of 2019, which I assume in part led to Washington showing interest, but primarily the swing tackle. Leno comes in, and what I, as I talked the other day, they now have like a, an insane amount of linemen, like 
Bob, but well, have you done the math on the, on the offensive line, Bobby? Do you, do you have any, uh, I feel like I'm asking you questions. I only told you to focus on the schedule, not the offensive line. So I'm probably just like flooding you with things. You're like, dude, what, what are you talking about here? Yeah, no, I think that it's a really important position. I think when you figure your line out, you know, it's, it's easier to get your skill players to look better with a good line than it is to have good skill players to make your line look good, if you know what I mean. So I think it's important, you know, as like you said, a college football guy, big Notre Dame follower, they had, I think, three of their linemen drafted this year. I was kind of hoping if they didn't get Koromoa that they were going to draft maybe a Notre Dame lineman. They did not do that. They got the guy from Texas. So, yeah, I think this is a big move. I think it's important. And you can never have too many guys to figure out what's going to go on um, once the actual games start. It's really important to have your line. you got to build from there. Well, I mean, that's why I like the, to go back to the draft. Like the Cincinnati Bengals had such an interesting situation. Oh, terrible. What you didn't like the uh, Jamar Chase pick, or I mean, we we saw we were I think we were outside. I think that was one of the games where we were on you know in the end zone watching what happened to Burrow, and it's like you got to protect this guy if you want him to play for you. Yeah, it's it's just an interesting dynamic. You had this opportunity on the assumption that they viewed Jamar Chase and Penny Sewell as comparable prospects. You had, which I think people generally did. You had a top flight receiver who would give you a, a potentially, a, you know, a, a huge dimension at an important position, but you also then have a, a, a tackle that I'm with you. Like, I, th- I feel like because the receivers get so much, you know, uh, you know, look, we, we, we don't go to sports center to watch offensive tackle highlights where right? we go for the receivers, but that I think overinflates the importance of them. I think you can have, if you have a really good quarterback with obviously in their case, I think they do with Joe Burrow, you have a good line. You can make, ordinary receivers better yeah you can't you can't make great receivers do anything if you have no line and no protection um, i mean unfortunately we keep agreeing on stuff so we'll definitely stop as this goes on but <laughs> I, I that's what i said a minute ago like i think you can yeah. there's one way you can you can do it and the other way you can have all these guys but we saw burrow and you, do you remember what happened in that game as soon as burrow got hurt i mean it was just like they might as well have had me in at quarterback. I think it was Ryan Finley, who I think they cut like the week, like the next week, right? I mean, it was just they couldn't do anything. Yeah, no, for 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 sure. And so to that end, I mean, I think Leno is considered to be an upgrade. Look, the Bears released him as best I can tell from because they drafted a tackle uh, in the second round, Tevin Jenkins, and they decided well they would save some some money on the cap and go that direction. Okay, fine. Um, Washington got him for one year, basically five million dollars. So that's a pretty good deal for one year i guess like i said to me what's more interesting also i mean it's interesting if they think that's an upgrade they still have, we'll see what they do at left guard there, there's a there's a, a bit of a debate there you, you got a few options and that's what's interesting there's like i think the 10 guys i think there's easily 10 guys who are on this team without i don't even think there's a ton of debate just to go through them quickly if we're going starting lineup leno we'll just say eric flowers is the starting left guard chase ruye brandon Scherf, morgan moses then you have behind them you have Cornelius Lucas and Sam Cosme a tackle. Sadiq Charles is sort of tackle guard. Yeah. And you have Keith Ismail, who they drafted in the fifth round last year, would presumably be the backup center. But you still then have Tyler Larson, who they just signed away from Carolina. Rivera, he played his whole career there. Rivera knows this guy. He's not signing him just on a whim. Um, Jared Christian and Wes Martin, who were the starters at left tackle and left guard the first few weeks of last season. Admittedly, that might be a negative because <laughs> they weren't exactly – very good, but I'm just saying you, they're guys you would normally say would have a chance 
to make the team. David Sharp started a couple of games at right tackle last year. They traded for him when they before the season started. Uh, David Steinmetz kind of hung around last year, and then there was even a couple guys. You know, it's one position where like random guy, a random guy will occasionally make a team. That's a, a, a ton of guys. Now injuries happen, and we'll see what else. You know, could could something happen with Brandon Scherf? Uh, I, you know, there's no signs of it, but. I don't know. Was Washington really going to like play the season with him on the tag? Possibly he, he walks in the off season. And then for Kirk cousins, Trent Williams and Brandon Scherf, they will have gotten no more than a third round pick effectively as the highest pick for any of them. That's not a great way to go through life. So I don't know. It's interesting that they have so many guys at a minimum, they've now upgraded their starting offensive line and they have really good competition in camp and maybe they can even trade somebody, but it's just interesting. They have so many guys at this position. Yeah. 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 Sorry. No. And I think it's, I think it's really important, but I think that we've become a, you know, not just gambling, which is you, everyone can do it now, but just, I think fantasy football has really warped everyone's view of what they care about for that a team does in the off season. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Because if you're signing a guy that I can't add on my fantasy, on my fantasy team, and I think that there are some really nerdy geeky leagues where a line comes into play and there's a certain amount of points, maybe for not allowing a sack, or if, you know, if you're, if you have like a rusher that gets a lot of yards, but for the most part, as far as I'm concerned, O line isn't really a part of fantasy. And if it's not a part of fantasy, most fans, I think, aren't that interested in it. 100%. By the way, just one one other quick point, and then we'll move on to the schedule. Um, you know, Washington brought Leno in on Monday. They also brought in safety Bobby McCain. Uh, I've checked in on that. All I've heard is it's sort of a wait, wait and see on that. Um, you know, Leno met on Monday, and they didn't sign until Wednesday, so perhaps there's something there with McCain. But it's worth noting that, like, when people – like, for anybody who was panicking during free agency or the, or the first part – that, oh, you know, whether it's Washington or another team, oh, my team, you know, we still have a hole. We didn't do something here. Oh, no, what do we do? Or even after the draft, oh, we didn't draft this position. There's still a market. And especially this year was kind of weird, obviously, for all the we, – we get it for all the pandemic-y reasons. And, you know, teams are still signing players. And there are still some players that are viable out there. And Washington has largely done a pretty good job of – papering over their holes and if they actually go out and sign McCain I really can't even point to any hole they would have at this point in terms of the starting 22 where I would say wow they don't have something that's at least reasonable so uh they've now done that with Leno I mean again I think Lucas showed he was okay but at the same point Leno seems like a better option so kudos to Washington for being patient and taking advantage of uh the market that was um that was out there um all right that said let's get to the fun Bobby and by fun I mean we're going to talk about the schedule um, it is, it is always, I, I was surprised how p- excited people were for it online. I don't know what you were, you were, were dealing with a few things offline uh, all day. Everybody was like, you know, bro, oh, I've got, I've got this source. I've got that source. We're going to report this. We're going to report that. And you know me, I like chasing down sources stuff, but for the schedule, I was like, uh, we're going to find out like, <laughs> like it's going to happen. I, we already know the opponents to boot. We're only yeah. talking about the. The, the order as somebody who is traveling to some of these things i am certainly intrigued i did not want to go to buffalo in december or january for the record glad that's not going to happen so stuff like that but like i was like wow we're really I, but look i get it people are excited it's something to do on a, on a uh, wednesday morning afternoon and, and that's how people spent their their, their 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 day um 
I'm going to assume people by now have seen the full schedule, so I'm not going to read it all off here. But I thought we'd just go sort of go quickly through each one. I'll make a prediction, and Bobby can choose to add comments, make fun of my prediction, or add a fun. So effect. just to be straight, you're definitely going to every away game. Don't know that for fact because I don't. Uh, but likely. Uh, the so this year, forget if we move past the, the this year is kind of weird but the previous year uh i went to six of eight as did rhiannon i mean we just didn't both go to every single game i mean yeah could have pushed it but just didn't yeah yeah, okay. yeah. i mean you know I, I i like traveling i just think you know so i I'll, i don't know why we need multiple people there all these games i would just like say that like well as, as someone that gets in on the ap locally i do i'm an advocate for as many people from every publication to be at a game um yeah no look i, I look I, for, for 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 if it's a sign of you know returning to some sort of normalcy i'm all in favor of everybody going to all the games and hopefully yeah. hopefully we, we can we won't be going into games for the first two weeks because they start off the season at home first off the home to the chargers I, you know i did not do a first of all bobby i did not do a mock schedule like everybody well, thank else god that's that's silly i'm known for mock drafts i'm not known for mock schedules and i'm really glad for that distinction I, I was absolutely making fun of people who I knew who you should it. you should it, it and like I will just say that for me at a certain distinction if you're sort of like you know Kevin Sheehan has famously done this now for years it's one of his bits and if you're on the radio you got to fill three to four hours a day yeah. god bless you like I, I don't even know what you're talking about all that time and that's been one of his things but when it became like a cottage industry this team this time especially people are writing it online no <laughs> Ben what what's so I think we have an idea of like a good hit rate for the NCAA tournament. We have a good idea of a hit rate. You are a mock draft champion. I don't know if you were this year, but I know in the past you've been, I think a couple times. What's like a good hit rate for a mock schedule? Plus, like I said, they're already giving you the opponent. So like all you really, I mean, there, I, no idea. It's okay. impo- I mean, like, cause for example, if you would say, okay, here, look, okay, here's all the opponents. Who's their week one foe? I pretty would say the Chargers would have been way down on my list. I'm sure I would have gone with the likely, uh, you know, the um, the, the Eagles. The, the, yeah, any of the division foes would have been the obvious ones. I mean, I guess we can say if you were looking for a hook, it's not a bad one to have the offensive reigning offensive rookie of the year in Justin Herbert against the reigning defensive rookie of the year in Chase Young. That is actually a, a viable hook. And yes, I'm sure we will all discuss on some level. Did Washington, should Washington have Justin drafted Justin Herbert? For the record, they were fine with what they did. I'll leave it at that. But um, so interesting game. Uh, you know, uh, look, the chart, I mean, Herbert was really fun last year. Uh, I, I'm not anticipating a sophomore slump, but obviously that's one of those things I'm sure people will talk about. But it's a fun game, uh, opening, opening at home against, um, you know, an opponent that's not going to be an overly familiar one. But I'm 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 kind of psyched. I didn't see Justin Herbert as much as I would have liked last year for all kinds of just my own schedule reasons. Uh, so I'm kind of excited to see him play and do so in person, September 12th, FedEx Field. Uh, hopefully, you will be there. Are you excited? If you're going to have to pick a season up, are you good with Justin Herbert and the Chargers at FedEx Field? Oh, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with it. But a bigger view of the whole schedule is I definitely like opening with a division opponent and closing with division opponents. So looking at the schedule, I would have preferred to flip those first two games, 
but yeah, I think it's exciting. Chargers don't come in here very often. Justin Herbert, they have a new coach. That's cool. Yeah, so I'm picking a win. I'm not going to pick scores, but I'm picking the win. Uh, they're at home. You know, it is a you know it, it is a it is a one o'clock game for the West Coast team. You know, we'll, we'll factor that in even if it is only week one. Uh, but yeah, win for the for the football team over football team is an underdog. Is that right? I saw one of the sites. Maybe it's covers or uh, bet rivers or something and i think it was one and a half to los angeles interesting oh i mean we, right i think they both had i think they both had seven wins obviously washington won the division with that but uh yeah i mean look at there won't be too many quarterback scenarios where ryan fitzpatrick is going to get the nod over anybody that's not a rookie right but even though ryan fitzpatrick is pretty interesting in any event okay we'll, we'll move through here i give him the win week one week two same same. I'm going to go ahead and pick as well, Ben. Great. I like it. You keep track of your own tally. I've got enough trouble over here. Um, sure. All right. Week two. Boom. Already we have a wrinkle. Short week. Giants Thursday night. Now, the good thing is here for Washington and for me, the the, the short week is at home. So no travel issues for, for Washington. I didn't really look to see what the Giants are doing week one, but whatever. They'll have to be on the road uh, for that. So, um you know, obviously Washington, uh, you know, had some, had, uh, you know, the, the Giants team always tricky for for Washington. Um, I am going to, and, and look, I think, I think to me, this is the NFC East is a three three team race this year for the top: Washington, Dallas, the Giants. Eagles look like they're going to rebuild. Totally fine. Uh, I think the Giants made a lot of interesting moves. Obviously, they add Kenny Galladay in free agency. They draft Kadarius Tony in the first round. Um, you know, I think they, as much as we talked about Washington's momentum last year, I think Giants showed some as well as Joe Judge. If Daniel Jones doesn't get hurt, I can't believe that I'm saying that this is a thing, but if he doesn't get hurt, you know, who knows? Maybe they are the team that ended up winning the division, but they didn't. Uh, Washington Giants, um, no, no, no more Colt McCoy, though. Sorry to tell you that. Uh, I, I'm going to pick Bobby 2-0. and The Washington football team is getting hot to start the year. 2-0, and they're going to beat the Giants on Thursday night. Yeah, unless unless Saquon does something ridiculous, and I think it's hard to pick against Washington here. I like Washington to get off to a really good start. Um, yeah, I mean, all right, we're, we're off to a good start. Now, things start to get a little more interesting. Week three, they're at Buffalo, the AFC runner-ups, a year ago, one o'clock game on Fox. For those who want to set their DVR, I'll, I'll, I'll try to remember to tell you the the the, the TV uh, stations here. Um, hey, ben, Ben, can I know this is this is your pod? I'm used to being in charge of you. You're in charge of me this time, but I think it's a little bit wrong that neither of us brought up the fact that Washington's record in these nationally televised night games for the Giants, not just the Giants, but in general, is just beyond poor. So that's my only possible issue with that game. Right. But like, look, last year they whooped Dallas uh, <laughs> on Thanksgiving. And uh, I feel, I think, look, it, okay. okay. I, oh, I'm just saying I'm with you. I think, I think this is where, this is the type of thing where Ron Rivera's presence, I think does factor. And he, you know, I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl or whatever, but like, I think he does give them a certain amount of confidence because he thinks they're going to get, they're going to do it. And I feel that's different than what the, some other guys. So I, I, I feel like I'm not saying look, I'm with you. I saw the, the these three 
nationally televised. I just, I just thought it was worth mentioning to everyone listening that just we have to so, at least give that, you know, just say, uh, hey, look, this is a thing. It, it, it is a stat that will be brought up. You're absolutely correct. I'm going to ignore history and focus on positives. Okay. But my positive will may, may, may swing here quickly. Okay. Because week three at Buffalo, look, I, 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 it would be – it would be wrong to say I feel good about this game. I mean, it's one of the, I don't know, 27 uh, reunion games for Fitzpatrick. Um, so there's that. But look, I mean, Buffalo obviously is really good. If Washington is actually improved, if, if, if last year's momentum at the end of the year, where they won five of their last seven, proves real, combined with the, you know, they add Fitzpatrick, you add Curtis Samuel on offense, you add William Jackson on defense, plus Jamin Davis and some other stuff. If all that proves real, then they can absolutely hang in theory with a team like Buffalo. Until I see that, I'm not going to be able to make that claim, especially on the road. So for at least at least for Washington, at least it's, it is in September, not no, not December, but there's that. But I don't, I'm going to have to put given the first L of the year week three at Buffalo. Yeah, uh, I'd really like to disagree with you. Like I mentioned, I don't like agreeing with you, but if you've got them at 2-0, and which I do, which you do, I mean, you know, new quarterback, a lot of new players. Buffalo was really good last year. We saw what they did. It, it just, you know, it's just hard to pencil this in as a W, even on a Washington-centric podcast. It's an L. Um, week four, let's see if we disagree here. And Atlanta, a team that was so bad last year, they ended up with the, with the fourth pick in the draft, which they take Kyle Pitts. They have Matt Ryan at quarterback. They still have Julio Jones. They have a new head coach in Arthur Smith. They also have a new person in their front office named Kyle Smith. Fabian Moreau, that's where he plays football now. Um, maybe this is because I'm somewhat optimistic on Atlanta. Like, I haven't looked at any betting futures to like this to, to, I don't know what their over under is, but I would probably look at them as a team. I might go over in general this year uh, because, you know, the, uh, you know, the saints are without Drew Brees. We'll get to them in a minute. They're up, they're up next on the schedule. I'm sort of optimistic on Atlanta. And since it's on the road, I'm actually going to pick Atlanta to win, even though they were a team that had, like I said, a bad enough record to get the fourth pick. So I'm going to drop in Washington to two and two with a loss at Atlanta. I'll say this. I have them winning this game, Washington. I think if they lose this, and depending on what Fitzpatrick has been doing up to this point, this could be the time where the bandwagon um, for Heineke starts to really rev up if if they're 2-2 two and two after losing at Atlanta. Or I should say 2-2 two, two and two or worse. I mean, that's assuming, you know, that they don't lose one of the first two games that we have them penciled in for a W. <laughs> I tell you what, one thing that's hilarious, and 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 you know, you're I'm not saying you just not picking on you. Anytime anybody mentions Washington's quarterback situation, it's always Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke. I, I think Kyle Island is like the second guy, and he he has started way more games than Heineke, but because of the, how it unfolded, right? I mean, t- t- Kyle Island has never done anything that interesting, and Taylor Heineke had a really exciting game in the playoffs, so logically. A lot of people would pick him, but like it always, it's always this. Whether it's national people or locals, it's always mentioned. It's 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 well, Ryan Fitzpatrick or Taylor Heineke. Allen never gets mentioned. I would assume right now, assuming he comes back from his injury, that he's the number two quarterback. But well, I guess it's the way that we saw Taylor perform. Sure, 
And also his contract is a lot bigger. And Kyle Allen had a serious injury. He didn't just like, you know, there's other injuries that are not as intense as the one that he had. Like it could take a long time to recover from that. hundred percent. If, if, if we're dealing with that, then that is a whole other uh, story for sure. Uh, I'm just, um, you know, uh, I'm, I, I see I, where you're coming from, but I, I think you can see where I'm coming from too. I, I, I get it. I guess that plus Heineke was way more, you know, sort of to your point of a sort of like your fantasy football thing. Taylor Heineke is way more exciting, not just off of that one performance alone than anything Kyle Allen has done, at least in Washington. Um, so I totally get it. But in any event, all right, so Bobby's calling it a quarterback controversy by week four. Got it. Well, okay. I'm saying if they lose that game to Atlanta and they're two and two or worse, right, and depending on what Fitzpatrick's been doing, I think that's when you have your first, I can really hear it. I, I can hear it in the background, you know. Um, all right, week five, staying against the NFC South. They're back home against the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, no Drew Brees. Uh, Jameis Winston presumably would be the quarterback, but Taysom Hill is a thing there as well. Um, in the article that I had to write up on the, for the athletic, we had to pick sort of different, we had to deal with different categories. One was what's the toughest defense your team will face. I went with the saints. I think they were like fifth in the league last year in points allowed. Washington was fourth. Um, they've got, uh, you know, a couple of pro bowlers and cam Jordan and, and Marshawn Lattimore. So the, the Lattimore will face two of his Ohio state teammates and Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. Um, you know, it's funny, like any point in the last, you know, decade with Drew Brees, I would have easily pointed this as a loss for Washington. Um, and, you know, not saying it's going to be easy, but with the uncertainty at the quarterback on that team, I just mentioned how it's not like you're going to be checking off Fitzpatrick as the best quarterback in, in a game against a lot of teams. You might in this one. I'm not just counting Jameis Winston at all. Thought he was interesting enough to consider here, but that's not where it is. I'm going back on the winning track. Give me Washington week five at home against the Saints. I like him to win, and now I feel really weird about where I am because I don't think that they're what I consider a four and one team. And you know me, I am not a, I don't know, I'm not a glass half full type of guy. Okay, but I have him at four and one, so things are going to have to start going differently. I think. But by the way, can you uh, can you hear my cat? I can't. Oh, okay. Well, he was a scream at me. I, Mina Kimes has her podcast. It's Mina Mina Kimes and Lenny because that's her dog. My cat is also Lenny. I don't put yeah. his name on the podcast because one, she already took that bit, and two, I just wouldn't do that. But he's actually he's he's basically a co-host. I always forget to close the door. He comes in all the time and starts talking. I think he basically was saying to you, he agrees that they're not a four and one team in theory, and you should be careful. But we'll see. Look, there's more games to go. For I've been three and two, not far behind through week five i'll be surprised if we have wins here but they're they're at home for week six uh, get up against patrick mahomes and the kansas city chiefs um in in in, in i mean just, just to point out how tough the schedule is from a quarterback perspective at this point just through week six they will have faced justin herbert josh allen Matt Ryan and now Patrick Mahomes. I'm not even, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move off of the Daniel Jones and Winston. Just that, that's pretty tough. There's plenty more to come. Um, look, we don't have to do too much thinking here. If Washington actually sniffs this game, then we really are talking about a team that's making a big rise. I'm not going to go there against a team that's been in the Super Bowl the last two years and won it two years ago. Uh, Kansas City obviously you know, got smoked in the Super Bowl, but, you know, that's to t- Tom Brady and the Bucks not to teams that appear to be mere mortals. 
get, give me Mahomes if Washington, like I said, is competitive, let alone wins. That would be that would be a good sign at this point. You know, do you remember the way Kansas City's season went last year? I mean, they were kind of, you know, they were kind of, people were kind of laying low on them for a lot. They just, they weren't kind of, they weren't covering a lot of games, right? Yeah. You know, they were kind of, you know, one of the the real places where I thought they showed it was they, you know, they kind of limped over Atlanta. Um, They didn't look that good. You know, they barely beat a bad Broncos team. I mean, they were kind of, you think of them as like, you know, winning every game, like a basketball score. They weren't necessarily doing that. Um, you know, but it's hard to imagine Mahomes coming to FedEx and leaving with a loss. So I'm going to go ahead and put down loss, um, for Washington. Now, again, I I just explained that at this point, they've already been facing incredible quarterbacks. Could I tell you now that they're now going to face the, assuming there's not a trade, (laughs) they're now about to face the reigning NFL MVP in quarterback Aaron Rodgers for the Green Bay Packers. Now this game is at Green Bay to boot. I mean, seriously, that's insane. How many, I, I, the, how many teams in the league are facing Mahomes and Rodgers in back-to-back weeks? It's at Green Bay. Look again, assuming Rodgers is uh, is playing and not, uh, you know, his career with the Packers is not in jeopardy. Get it? Well, Sorry. Ben, wait, did you just are you gonna go past that joke? Sorry, I was trying to work up on something. Do you want to say it again? His career with the Packers is not in jeopardy. That's pretty good. That's yeah, pretty thank good. You. Thank you. Well, I just wanted to point out that if they don't face Rodgers in Green Bay, chances are they could face him the next week in Denver, right? I mean, it looks like Washington's <laughs> right. definitely – it looks like before the bye, Washington is definitely going to face Mahomes, Rodgers, Ryan, Herbert, right? I mean, it just – it seems inevitable. Like, one way or the other, they're going to have to play Rodgers before they get to the bye. Sorry, are you saying you would you if you would love it if Rodgers was not quarterbacking for Green Bay? Well, it sounds, yeah. Oh, this is getting really bad, Ben. Sorry, sorry. Um, all right, so yeah, okay. Look again, <laughs> I, I I just can't pick them to win at Green Bay. We'll we'll you know you know we'll see what happens. But I can't pick them to win at Green Bay. So for me, that drops them to uh, three and four at this moment, heading into Week Eight. Um, did, what, are you, what are you calling there a loss? Yeah, and real quick, they haven't had another nationally televised game, right? I, ha- I haven't, I haven't missed that. Correct. Okay. Uh, m- more to come. Uh, week eight, the last game before the bye, Halloween at the Denver Broncos. Now, Denver is one of these teams, sort of like Washington. I feel like people think that they've got a pretty good roster, but there's some questions of quarterback. They add Teddy Bridgewater to go with Drew Locke. So, you know, I, I can definitely hear your cat now. Well, he came a bit closer. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm going to have to, no, nobody's complained yet about this. If, if people have, I'm complaining. This, well, okay, great. Uh, the, the people who, uh, who, who are fans of the podcast who actually listen and are nice to me about it. Uh, they haven't <laughs> complained yet. If you, if, if, if you do have issues, you can let me know. All right. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, the Broncos, like I said, sort of like Washington, it feels like they have, they have a lot. They're, they have a talented roster, but the quarterback is a little bit dicey. I, you know, I uh, look. Obviously, Carolina was ready to move on with from Teddy Bridgewater, but I don't think he's sort of like like I would rather have Fitzpatrick, I guess. But at the same point, it's sort of like all right, it's not the they did something. Um, you know, they they they're a really interesting team. Bottom line is obviously Denver's t- historically been a tough place for teams to win. Um, I don't 
I'm going to, I got to call something here. I'm calling a loss for Washington at Denver going to the bye, which in my book would drop them to three and five. So you think this is going to be a really scary game? Uh, absolutely. They may have to pull out some tricks uh, if they want to treat their fans to a win. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is what happens when, I, when when Bobby and I podcast. I get stupid. All right. So here's the question. Here's a real question. It's week It's week nine. They have a bye week. That's actually for, Look, if we're going to schedule the bye week, that's a pretty perfect time to do it, right? Kind of middle of the season. Obviously, you never know. Sometimes you might want it early because you have injuries, but week nine is pretty good. Now, here's my question, Bobby. At Last year, the, the, the trade deadline was uh, November 3rd, I want to say. I don't I have not seen it online as I was looking here really quick before the show, so maybe I missed it, but let's just say it's about the same time. So it would be in this bye week time. Based on my schedule, Washington is three and five. I've got them at four and four. Okay. If I tell you that a team is out there is willing to give you an offer for Brandon Scherf, who I, we assume he doesn't sign his – he doesn't sign off the. Uh, he doesn't sign an extension. He's playing on the franchise tag. They would therefore lose him at the end of the year. Uh, for they would just get the compensatory third round pick like they did with Kirk Cousins. They're three and five. Now we can see the rest of the schedule. It's a little bit easier as we get down to the stretch because there's a lot of the teams in the division in the last five weeks. That said, what what, do you, what 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 would your thoughts be if we're gonna have to guess all this? about trading a guy like Brandon Scherf, you're three and five on mine, four and four on yours. So you're definitely not out of it, but this would be it. You have to make the call or he walks for a compensatory third without knowing anything else. How likely are you not saying what they would do? How likely would you be to even entertain it? Let alone actually do it. Assuming that I don't know what to tell you what the offer would be. That seems like a big part of it, right? Well, sure, but I'm saying, like, if we know they would get a third-round compensatory pick. Okay. So the offer would have to be something better than that. I'm not saying they're getting three ones. Maybe it's even – maybe it's a second, or maybe it's a – I don't know. Maybe it's a – maybe it's two threes. I don't know. But third's the bar. What do you think? I think if you – I mean, it's – I just think that that's more of an NBA thing. I just feel like these kind of trades just don't happen in the NFL, right? I think that you'd be better off trading them before the season even started than trading them then. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, yeah, to, to, to that end, it's, it's hard to do. I just think it's at least at a minimum it's something to sort of keep in mind because the one, one thing that's here is that, like, as we see with a lot of things, I don't know what Ron Rivera thinks about this. It, like you said, it's not something that happens around the NFL a lot. Brandon Scherf is obviously a very valuable player, and this year counts. We can't just dismiss this year because he may not be here in 2022. At the same point, they didn't get that much back of a return for Cousins. They didn't get much of a return in the trade for Trent Williams. Ron Rivera didn't have much to do with either of those, certainly not Cousins, and he inherited the Williams thing. But at some point, you can't just as an organization just keep getting not much back for all these guys. I mean, teams lose free agents all the time, but – you know, the it's one thing you don't want to do it under these circumstances where it's just kind of, uh, you know. Well, you know, Ben, here's I think where I, I guess I understand the NFL is trying to do is they they backload the schedule with all your division games. So I mean, honestly, whatever you've done to this point, we both have Washington, you know, in the mix right around 500. But you could even be well below 500 if you have all of your division games pretty much left. You're never kind of out of it, and based on how they played last year. It just seems unlikely that if they're anywhere near the records that we think, they're just going to go for it. 
and which I don't think includes trading him. Right. I think what you, the point you just made is, is the proper point that even if like a team like Philadelphia is feeling like they're out of it, when you have all these division games late and I, I actually meant to do this before we started, um, but I didn't have a chance to see what the, uh, <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. It's chaotic over here. I'm going to have to lock the cat out. Uh, it, it, it is. Um, I mean, I don't know how many teams have such a schedule where they have all these games laid out like this at the end. And it, it does give Washington the opportunity, even if they're a little bit behind to, to play catch up because you have the head to head opponents at the end. So you make a good point. Again, the likelihood of anything happening is probably nil, but it's just something to keep in mind for any player, but particularly I think Sheriff, because I don't know. Yeah, I get you, it. You can't, you just can't keep going this way. All right. We're back in action November 14th, hosting Tampa Bay. You and I were out there uh, on the field or at, in the stands watching the first quarter of uh, Tom Brady, right? Yeah. You were there, weren't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tom Brady and the Bucks coming in, and obviously they went on to win that game. Washington, you know, hung in there a bit offensively, but, you know, Brady and, and them got over 500 yards against Washington's defense. They go on to win the Super Bowl. Again, in four weeks, they will have faced – or in four games, they will have faced Mahomes, Rodgers, and Brady. That is – that is, I mean, you know, is Peyton Manning coming out of retirement to play one of these games? I mean, it's a pretty insane lineup. Again, kudos to Washington for hanging tough last year with Tampa Bay, but ultimately, you know, I'm not going to pick against Brady and the Bucks. Even though Washington will be coming off the bye week, even though we'll be home again, I don't – I didn't look to see what Brady and them are doing. I can do that while you talk. But – um yeah, give me Washington to lose, which means I would have them falling to three and six. See, I've got Washington on a three-game slide right now. I have them getting right during the bye, during the break. And I think this is a game that they win. I think that I haven't analyzed Tampa Bay's schedule, but I think based on how close they were in the playoffs, just based on the ebb and flows of a season. Look, there's going to be games where you just can't believe they win. There's going to be games, unfortunately, for Washington fans listening, that they're going to lose, that are going to just be like, what the hell just happened? I think this is a get-right game, and I have them on a three-game slide, and I have them getting back on the good. I've got Washington at five and four after this one. All right. By the way, I just looked. Tampa Bay is also on a bye uh, in week oh. uh, in week nine. So they're also coming. Oh, off. oh, I'm going to stick with that. But that is good information. That's a little bit more of a college thing. You kind of look at how many times Notre Dame plays an ACC opponent coming off the bye, which the league does because they're kind of half members. But OK, it's not a Notre Dame pod. <laughs> um, all right. So now we move on November 21st at the Carolina Panthers. You may have heard uh, <laughs> this is a game that will have some significance because uh Every single player, person who used to play for or work for Carolina is now here, uh, starting with Ron Rivera, of course. Um, didn't didn't they just hire someone from Washington? They did. They hired a former Washington scout, Cole Spencer, to I think be their college their, their college scouting director. So yes, it went the 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 the, the it went the other way this time. Um, look, uh, one way traffic. Yes. Uh, so look, Carolina obviously they made the move for Sam Darnold. I believe that Sam Darnold is facing the Jets in Week One. Um, uh, you know, th- that whole situation will, you know, the, the Sam Darnold that people thought were, was in college hasn't really been shown that much in the pros, but people are still optimistic about him. Clearly the Panthers think enough of him to have made the trade. So it's almost hard to, pre- this feels like one of the harder ones to project from the standpoint of, I don't know what Sam Darnold is. Is he the guy that people think 
was hot stuff and therefore maybe Carolina is interesting or is he the guy that was bad for the Jets and therefore the Panthers will be looking ahead to the 2022 draft either way I've got Washington winning this game Rivera is going to obviously make a big emphasis on this relatively speaking and uh, you know I think they can um you know, I think they can get this done because I had them losing three games at this point. I don't want to go beyond that. So I've got them beating Carolina on the road uh, in week uh, 10, I think that is. Yeah, I've got that as well. I do think that, and I think you're on the same wavelength as me, is there is just something about those USC quarterbacks. And I do think, I do think Darnold is a really interesting player. I think he's better than what he showed, but I don't know. I just have a hard time picking them in this game and all that stuff. So man, six and four, that sounds, I don't know. That sounds kind of weird too. So this is a team that hasn't won over 10 games and I'm kind of getting them closer to that mark. So I'm sticking with it six and four, but feels kind of weird to say that. Okay. Uh, November 29th, <laughs> Seattle, Monday night. Uh, obviously, oh, obviously this is an L. Obviously, there's been a lot of big games between Seattle and Washington. <laughs> Feels like they're always here at FedEx Field. Uh, Russell Wilson has been a pest, to say the least. Monday night, you already mentioned that historically this has not been good. I'm going against all of it. I'm going for Washington to get this done. Uh, no particular reason, but I, I feel like Seattle is – I mean, look, every Seattle game comes down to some sort of chaotic finish. They're kind of like how the Wizards are right now, where every game is coming down to the end. Uh, that's how all their games are. But I'm going to go with Washington here. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe Russell Wilson is looking when he shows up this time and thinks, boy, you know what? This is a team I wouldn't mind playing for. Maybe I have to update my list for, for next offseason. Give me the Washington football team over Seattle. Sorry, can't. Uh, definitely a – Seattle did me really well last year in that pigskin mania thing that uh, I partake in. I'm a big Russell Wilson guy. He's a Virginia kid. I love the way he plays. Washington on Monday night, sorry. I mean, I, I'm not sure they can beat Lake Braddock on a Monday night, so it's too much. It's 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 just it's just too much. Um, Did you figure out what, what uh, record you have them at? I, I, I really don't know what I'm doing here. Giant, Char- you had them at three and five at the break. Um, and they lose to if they lose to Tampa, they're three and six. I think you had you had them beating yeah. Carolina four and six. Now you've got them at five and six. Yeah, uh, yes, correct. Five and six. Don't 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 you know don't don't don't, don't host a podcast and and try to do a schedule, kids. Um, all right, five and six. So now the game I'm most excited about. Oh yeah. At, oh yeah. D- d- December fifth. At the Las Vegas Raiders, I don't care about John Gruden. I'm not that excited about Derek Carr's future. I'm excited about going to Vegas. I have not been to Vegas since 2019. Longest drought I've had since probably in my 20s. Excited to go back. Yes, yeah, so we could have debated the game. Could be, be a little bit better if this game was a little bit further, higher up in the, in the, in the real calendar. But okay, I'm taking it. It will be exciting to get back um, and, and uh, you know, hang out in the, in the land of milk and honey. Uh, as far as the football goes... You know, I, I pointed out to me in the I mentioned the, the uh, well, I don't know if I mentioned this, but one of the one of the uh, sections in the article on the athletic was about trap games. This isn't the one I picked, but somebody online mentioned that. Um, uh, this Are they is really pick- good enough to have a trap game? It's a good point. We didn't have to pick it as a category, but since they won the division, I felt compelled to say yes. But it's a fair point. 
but I also had to like fill out the page. Anyway, uh, but this is a fair one to consider. You will have just come off a Monday night game against Seattle. So, you know, short week. Now you have to go on the road. And then the following week, which is a division game, we'll get to that in a second. So it's a potential one. But all that said, I'm just, I'm just not that high on, the, on, on John Gruden, period. And I, I, just in a broad head-to-head scenario, I will take Ron Rivera over John Gruden. So I'm going with that. I recognize that maybe this is one of those games I, I would flip because of that potential trap reason. And again, the Vegas aspect. Vegas is the ultimate trap city other than Miami to boot. So there's a lot going here potentially against Washington and perhaps the beat writers going out there as well. But give me Washington at the Raiders. What day are you gonna are you gonna justify going out there? I mean, I guess if you have to cover practices, but if if stuff's still going on Zoom, if we're living in the Zoom world, are you gonna be out there Monday morning? Well, so the game is December fifth. So if you're asking, when am I justified? I'm gonna say Thanksgiving. I don't, I don't know. Is that too soon? <laughs> is that too? Is that, I mean, it sounds good, man. Yeah, I'll truth, tell you this. Tr- truth is, pro tip: you can't stay in Vegas for more than three days max. I mean, it's, you got to yeah. get out. There's too much. I mean, look, if you're just hanging out in your room the whole time, I don't know what to tell you. But if you're just doing anything, three days, you get out. So if I, you're there for three days, how many hours of sleep do you think that involves? Well, the the Ben in his 20s, like I, there was a stretch of like a three day one point. I slept five hours, six <laughs> hours, something like that. I mean, the, you know, they always talk about pumping oxygen into the casino. I think it's true. There's a lot of stimulus. There's a lot going on. Um, so, yeah, uh, more, more of those stories we can share on a different podcast. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so give me, give, me the Raider, uh, give me Washington at the Raiders. For me, that would mean um, they would have won three in a row. So I have them now, I think, at six and six um, at this point, I think. Yeah. Uh, as someone that's not going to be going to this game, at least I don't think, and if I do, it would be as a fan – I do love when I'm at home and the, you know, Washington's at four. I'm a big fan of that because you kind of, you kind of, you know, you got the things you got to do. You got to look forward to four o'clock. It's great. So big fan of that. I, I don't think it's a trap game. I just think Vegas, you know, I think that they've shown enough and I just think there's a lot going on here by this time. I'm, I assume that multiple quarterbacks have started for Washington and I've got them losing this game, and we've somehow ended up at six and six, even though we've taken very different routes to get to the same spot. Uh, very, very true. Now we start this this very weird gauntlet. The last five games are division opponents. Uh, I believe this is the this is the longest stretch of consecutive division games since 1970, when the NFC East had five um, five teams. My uh, colleague, uh, frequent, I saw it. What? Matt Paris. Well, I was going to mention him, but I was talking to Matt Paris before on the phone before we started this, and he he said this to me like, "Yeah, like uh, the, the it's the longest I've done this since 1970, like back when I guess apparently like the Cardinals were in the division." And I was like, "Matt, I, I'm old enough to have watched those games, so you just made me feel like I'm a hundred. So I appreciate that." Um, but yes, long it's been a minute, very unusual. But very interesting. I, I would. Have, I, I don't know this for fact, and I uh, this is pure speculation. But I wonder if stacking these games at the end has something to do with, in case there is some sort of a, a resurgence of COVID. Like this is a, a way to sort of make the scheduling easier by having the division games later, so you don't have to. Because those are obviously the most important games from a, you know, in terms of like if you have to mess around with the schedule. That's just a guess, I guess. But in any event, like you said, I think it's just a way. 
No, I just think it's a way to, we both have Washington at six and six. You could literally be sitting here at, you know, four and eight, three and seven, and you could go on a run and each game is a two pointer, right? Because you can get a win and you give someone a loss. So I think that's why they're doing it, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Well, in any event, it's interesting. And, and uh, like, you know, w- w- yeah, if you're, if you're behind, you do have a chance to catch up clearly. All right. That's it. You're never out of it. You're never out of it. December 12th, they're home to Dallas. Um, look, obviously, Washington got, got the best of Dallas last year because Dak Prescott wasn't playing. He is back on the assumption that he is right and playing. I don't see a season sweep happening again. Um, you know, the division games are always tricky to predict. I, I'm going to predict – sorry, don't yell at me. I'm predicting the Cowboys – get this one at Washington. I mean, I had them winning three in a row. I just, you know, but combination of, I just don't know if I see them getting four in a row and, you know, can't just say they're going to win every home game. And obviously Dallas, um, you know, would, would, would certainly have a puncher's chance and then some, I'm sure they want some revenge, all that fun stuff. Give me the Cowboys over Washington uh, December 12th at FedEx field. So, I think that there's a chance that there's a ton of Tampa Bay jerseys and Tom Brady and all this stuff. But I think, you know, in earlier in the season, they'll play the Giants. And I guess there's a lot of bandwagon Chiefs fans and all that stuff. But this is going to be, in my opinion, you made it all the way to your 13th game and the fans being back. You know, both of us have Washington at six and six. Is that going to be enough for the Washington sports fans to be out there? Because last time we had full stadiums, games like Dallas and they got Philly coming up were just miserable to be at from a, you know, if you're a Washington fan, right? And this could be the first week where Dallas just comes back and invade, you know, just invades FedEx field, which no one likes. Um, I don't know if you thought about that part, but to me, that's, I think that's. It's just it's crazy to think that Rivera got to have a whole season without really having to deal with that. And did they do enough by making the playoffs to get the fans back? And if they're six and six, is that enough? Um, I think if Dak is playing, and I think that if FedEx looks the way I think it'll look, I think this is probably an L. Um, all right. So um what where are you at with your record at this point? Six and seven. I am six and seven as well. Four games to go. Let's see what happens. Um, all right. Now we got at Philadelphia again. Like I said, my sense is the Eagles, you know, they've got Jalen Hurts at quarterback. I just don't feel like they're really pushing the envelope here to try to win the division, but it doesn't mean that Washington's going to sweep them. It's at Philly. Uh, we know what happened. They Washington barely won their last year in weeks in the last game when they needed to get it done, but they did. Um, I, I'm going to go with the win over the Eagles on the road uh, here for Washington. So that's even me up at seven and seven. Hey, just for all your listeners out there, if Ben ever invites you to come to an Eagles game, say no. Uh, you can, you can, you can explain. They made a row for me that I don't think even existed in the press box. Pro- <laughs> yes. Probably has never existed since it's like they knew I was coming and they put me in a spot to where I think I watched most of the game on a TV um, just to let you know how it goes. Well, it like you, you were sitting like essentially at a, a, you had a chair, but no table, a stool, right? A stool. Also, there was somebody in the press box who I don't, <laughs> I won't say, who, I, won't, I don't know exactly who it was, but like, he basically was like, 
there's no cheering in the press box. Well, this person wasn't getting the message. And he was really going like play, calling a lot of play by play. Like he was trying to be the, you know, the, the next radio voice of the team. I it was a lot. Uh, there was a lot going on. Bobby did not have the best of times. Um, and, and it was a Monday night game. You know, what, what was I thinking? Yeah. And we drove back, I think afterwards. Right. So it was a lot. Oh yeah. It was yeah. great. Uh, I like, I like Washington to get this one. I think Philly's a complete mess. I don't think they fix it. And by this part of the season, I mean, good God, the Eagles record could be just something just, just hideous to look at. I think Washington gets, gets the win on the road here. They're, they're back to even going into big D where they'll be playing Dallas for the second time in 14 days, which I think is just stupid. Uh, yeah. So three games to go now at Dallas. Now this one is a Sunday night game. It's the day after Christmas, but it's a Sunday night game, uh, in Jerry world. So I, I had Washington losing at home in this first game. I'm going for the reversal, the, the you know, going to have Washington pull it out at, at home. Um, you know, it is interesting at this point in the year that you've already said that you, you, you you're projecting, uh, multiple quarterbacks starting and based on Ryan Fitzpatrick's history that certainly seems logical but at the same time you know there is no obvious um uh, you know there there is no Tua Tungle Viola Viola or there's no young guy here to to, to put in and uh, you know so I, I'm just curious you know where we're at in the Ryan Fitzpatrick journey at this point and this would be one of those games where it feels like a potential signature Ryan Fitzpatrick game you know, late in the year, uh, you know, who knows where the other teams are, but if you're battling for the division, you're at Dallas Sunday night, I, I see a big stage for Fitzpatrick and I see Fitzmagic getting it done at Dallas for the win. That puts me at eight and seven with two games left. I think they lose. I think that, you know, this is boxing day, right? Everyone's all big into that, right? Big, uh, big, big boxing day, big for the EPL, big up in Canada. I think that this is an L I think that they get swept and I think I've got them at seven and eight. Well, we have taken a turn. You went from being the had the four and one and now you're underwater and I was at uh, three and five or whatever. Now I'm, I'm, I'm over 500 with two to go. All right, here we go. Philadelphia again, January 2nd, FedEx field, the last home game of the year. You know, I, I, I just split the games with Dallas and like, you know, you could, you could pretty much say you're going to split the division games most years and feel good about it. But again, you know, the, the Eagles, you know, they, they, they add Devonta Smith, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm just not that high on Jalen Hurts. We'll see how the season goes for them. And even if they decide to move off of him, we're talking about Joe Flacco. So not, 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 not too worried about their quarterback play. Um, I, let's go nine and seven. I'm calling for the uh, Eagles. And to say nine and seven at 16 games, I know there's another game. It's going to be very odd. It, you know, it's been weird having to call this team the Washington football team. That takes getting used to. Remembering there's a 17 games instead of 16 will also be weird for sure. But I got nine and seven with a week to go. I've got them at eight and eight. So that's a win for this one, though, right? It's a win. All right. So here we go. Week 17. They're at the New York Giants. Last year, of course, when they were at that game was the Ron Rivera uh, uh, it was the going for it on uh, fourth down, right? Yep. Uh, or, yeah, I can't remember what happened yesterday. So yeah, so so there's some some recent Rivera fun to be had there, and obviously, you know, we don't know for sure what does this game mean for anybody. Is this a game where Washington, you know, heck, this year at, at nine wins, they're already two above what they won the division with last year. 
Uh, could the Giants still be in the mix or are they already sort of looking ahead? And if they are, you know, is Daniel Jones even in a quarterback? But, you know, like I said, it's hard to sweep a team in the division. We ha- I had Washington winning earlier in the year. I hope this isn't a game where they, you know, if you're hoping they make the playoffs, I hope this isn't coming down to the last game because I got an L I'm going for the loss at the giants to close out the year, which would drop them to nine and eight above their mark from a year ago, but still not 10 wins. I got nine and eight. Yeah. Nine and eight. That's kind of boring. Well, we, you know, we both took different, like, you know, I took like the highway and you took the scenic route. So uh, I've got them with two, I've got them at nine and eight with two, three game losing streaks. Uh, I've got nine and eight with two, three game winning streaks. Wow. I mean, I had them get hot in the end, but that's what's so weird is like, I mean, if you, if you rank your opponents right now, based on what, what, what our perception is of them of toughest to weakest, most of the, you know, the NFC East is obviously going to be, the the easier opponents and they're all late and that's what's just so weird like it, i just think it's going to be hard for them to build up momentum over the course um of the year but that said if they're actually good well then it's not that much it's not as challenging now of course i should have said this at the top but i really just assume people understand this who the hell knows about what anything is going to look like we went through this just last year right we all thought their schedule late would be tough but then you know the niners don't have jimmy garoppolo the cowboys didn't have didn't have dak um you know the Eagles obviously imploded, so on and so on. So, you know, you never know how this is going to go. I think there's reason to be optimistic based on the moves that they made in the roster, but this schedule is a bear considering all the quarterbacks. And, you know, by the time, like I said, by the time we get to Tom Brady, you will already have faced an insane amount of great, uh, insane amount of great quarterbacks, not just currently, but historically, but that's the schedule they've got. And if they can get through that, the, the later weeks, are interesting now of course it is worth noting also if you assume that injuries are just going to happen and there's accumulation over time then those last few games are arguably the toughest and those are the ones as we're saying you have a chance to make things up but they're also arguably the most important because they're the division and who knows how they are on that front washington was fairly healthy last year so that worked out but you know we'll see if that happens again yeah uh do you think nine and eight has them in the mix for the playoffs i mean obviously it does right I mean, you so like right most years. If we if we throw out last year's aberration of winning with seven games, nine and well, again, nine wins in a seventeen game schedule probably doesn't get the division done, right? I mean, no, I think that's pretty unlikely. Right. So then, based on that, I, I don't. I, I mean, nine win wild card team, and we're bad at another game. Seems like they would be outside the wild card chase at that point. Would be just a total guess, just based on historic numbers. Uh, by the way, I will just say this in terms of this whole thing. Like, I think the games to me, like, if we're going to say like, what, like, I, I, obviously any game could swing and look up if somehow, you know, pick any of the star quarterbacks for these other teams get hurt, then that changes those dynamics. Right. But I kind of feel like the at Atlanta game, the at Carolina game and the at Vegas game to me feel kind of like the swing games. Cause I'm kind of looking at those three opponents as definitely winnable. I believe I picked Washington. Well, I picked Washington win two, had them losing at Atlanta, but they're all, all winnable. Right. But they're all, you know, they're all on the road. That automatically makes it more of a more of a challenge, right? But they are like three of the other easier games that they're going to have, but they all are on the road. So if Washington, you know, kind of, you know, goes one and two in those games or maybe even worse, I think that could really make their season difficult. If they obviously, though, can you know be on the positive end of that, then, okay, fine. You lose to a Kansas City and a Green Bay. It's not as big of a deal, but you got to win the games you should be able to win. And 
again, other than the NFC East teams, it feels like the easiest ones they have are those three games on the road. So I feel like those three on some level will kind of tell the, tell the tale, whether it could be over or under 500. Yeah. And I think I'm looking at swing games at, I'm, I'm going to say at Denver, you know, mm-hmm. scary contest at Denver at Carolina, at Vegas, I had them going one and two in those games. So you probably need to flip that, right, and go two and one. That would put my record at 10 and seven. Also, I had them sweeping both the Eagles and the Giants, but getting swept by the Cowboys. So you probably need to find a way to, you know, if we want to say Philly's bad, they sweep them. Giants are probably on the same footing as Washington. But you need to find a way to not get swept by the Cowboys. So when I look at my schedule and how do I find a way for them to get to that, you know, 10, 11 mark, that's probably going to put them in the mix to win the division. Or if they don't win the division, it's going to really put them in the mix for the wild card. And that's kind of what they have to do. Um, and then there's games like um, maybe, you know, Seattle at home, which I gave them an L uh, Buffalo on the road. There are some games there, you know, that you just sort of, I mean, look, to be if you, Last year was weird, right? The division had all the just decimated with the quarterback injuries and all these different things. You know, look, the schedule's hard, but if you want to be a good team, you have to beat other good teams. You can't, you can't normally or count on making the playoffs without a bunch of good wins. Right, one hundred percent. And last year, like a lot of things went their way uh, for sure, um, but whatever. The it, it, you can't always assume things will go your way in terms of what the other teams are doing or injuries, you have to do consider your own luck and you're gonna have to beat some good teams. Like we're like, you're, you're saying, all right, before I, I go, I let Bobby get out of here. But as I said, and I wasn't really kidding, Bobby is like the, um, you know, putting rich Fodkin aside, Bobby is the main source for all things Georgetown these days, covering the team Georgetown. Uh, I normally go on his podcast all the time. I, it's amazing. I, I'm like a regular on your podcast on Fred's podcast. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, I'm all over the place. And, um, I'm gonna have to talk to my agent and get a better uh, better deal when I go on all these shows. Uh, huh. So Georgetown had a opportunity today to potentially get a huge recruit. I think he was like he's a five star. Uh, this kid Baldwin, but like he um, more than that, like a, like a top five player in the country. I think I saw he was like rated like fourth or fifth by ESPN. I want to say. Yeah, Ben. Basically, it would have been since they started doing this with the the new rankings, it would have been Georgetown's best ever recruit. Since, I mean, you know, Iverson and Morning and Ewing and there's guys, but it's, since they've been doing like the recruit, like the RSCI, which is like an index, takes the averages of, you know, 24-7 ESPN rivals, all that stuff. This would have been their best recruit, currently their best recruit in that in, the, in this era, which is like from 98 is Greg Monroe. So this would have been their best ever recruit. Um, so... Long story short, he didn't he he didn't pick Georgetown. He didn't even pick Duke, the other big team in the mix. He picked Milwaukee, <laughs> which you're when when I when you tweeted this the other day, I was like Milwaukee. But then the story is his dad, yeah, is the head coach. So you know it's one of those deals. So um, so whatever. So it, he it just seemed odd to me. I mean, it, it never felt good for Georgetown. Plus, they don't even have a scholarship, which is a whole other topic. But you know, if you tell me you're going to go on Sports Center. I thought it was weird that he picked his dad because, you know, why was he holding out? I mean, it's kind of awkward, right? But it just seemed like it was really set up for Coach K. So from that standpoint, I think if you're a Georgetown fan, Georgetown follower, you can take a little solace that you were one of the last teams and Coach K didn't get his way. They already have a good class coming in. But I thought once it was a made-for-TV event, 
it's I, I felt ESPN, which is basically an extension of like the Duke Broadcasting Network. I thought it was going to go that way. I mean, if you're telling me the dad is one of the schools, like I remember like when LeBron did the decision, it's not that he left Cleveland to go to Miami. It's that he broke up with his girlfriend on national television and didn't give her, it didn't give any heads up. This was going to happen. And I felt like in this case, like he's really going to diss his dad at the altar. Uh, So my only wonder was, as I think you had said as well, that there was an internet report that suggested that maybe the dad was a little bit in trouble at Milwaukee, which again, seems sort of dubious because like, how could you get this far and still be in trouble? Like your kids are going to be like, like now we're getting into really Georgetown stuff, but like, when Georgetown had Tremont Waters, it was a big recruit for them a couple of years ago, but John Thompson III was sort of on the precipice of whether he's going to get fired or not. And then because yeah. it was lean, starting to lean like he might, Tremont Waters bailed and left. Yeah. So, like, are we, if, if the kid, if the dad is actually in trouble, <laughs> is his kid going to be the one? Hey, by the way, my kid's not coming to school. Cool. You're fired. Like, so a whole combination is maybe think he was going to go there unless he was really out. But I paid no at that. That was based off of nothing other than I looked at your tweet and read one article. So who knows? Well, you know, that's good. That's a good start. Yeah. It's his dad hasn't had any success and that's not to say that he's the reason Milwaukee has been bad. You know, I guess it's just, it's just a weird, it's the whole thing was very weird and it never felt like Georgetown was in it, but I guess the fact that they were, if there's some momentum they can build off of that, that should be good. They already have a good class coming in. They have their own five-star in Amin Muhammad. They have Ryan Matumbo. Uh, college basketball is just kind of weird right now. Uh, it, it is. Um, so broadly, I mean, you and I have talked about this in your podcast, and, and obviously, and, and I'm sorry, uh, is it, I don't even know, is it officially the Casual Hoya podcast? Is that what it is? I don't actually don't even know what the official title is. We just, yeah, so it goes by the name of Kente Corner, but oh, if Kente you search, yeah, yeah, it's like if you go to Spotify and you search for Kente Corner, it's not going to come up because of the way uh, Vox Media has to list it. So if you search for Casual Hoya on Google or Google, Apple is I think Apple's where most people listen, but Spotify as well. But yeah, so if you type in Casual Hoya, you can find it. Um, but it's Kente Corner. Yeah. Uh- I, I apologize. I can't believe I'd speak. That's all right. It, it, uh, uh, but anyway, so yeah, you know, if you're interested in Georgetown, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you clearly are. So you should go listen to that one. There's no other Georgetown podcast to, to, of note to listen to. So go listen to Bobby's. But broadly, so obviously, when we, when last we left the, the Hoyas, they shocked the world. They, they win the Big East tournament. They therefore get in to the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, that didn't go as well, but whatever. Okay. They, they, they just, Getting that far was a big step. The first time Patrick, a Patrick Ewing yeah. team had made it to the tournament and a lot of, made a lot of people feel good about where things were headed with the program. Uh, to your point earlier about being a, 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 a bit of a skeptic, I think both of us have a bit of a, <laughs> have a bit, bit, bit skeptical towards this, this fanciful idea that, oh, Patrick Ewing has figured some things out. Um, that said, without revisiting the whole path, they have made some – you know, look, I don't, I don't, obviously they didn't get this kid today, uh, Baldwin, but they were in the mix of the final three. And obviously that's not enough. We have seen this game before you point to Nerlens Noel and others that they've been close, but no cigar on, but at least from a Ewing perspective for ignoring what happened before him, like, it seems like it's heading up in that direction and, and they, who they get, um, 
I don't remember any kids' names. They got they got another good recruit already, right? Who was was he a five star or a four star? Yeah. So Aminu Muhammad is Georgetown's first five star in a long time. Isaac Copeland was a five star that didn't really work out. They have you know the legacy Ryan Matumbo, who by all accounts is a little bit of work in progress, but he's Ryan Matumbo and he's shown a lot of progress, promise I should say. Uh, he played in a high school league, looked like I was, guys that looked like me were kind of, you know, <laughs> a big part of that league. And uh, they have a good class, you know. So I, I guess to just broadly say, Georgetown's kind of been stuck in neutral. And I don't know how much of it is college basketball and that like everybody leaves now and everyone transfers and all that stuff. So last year, what Georgetown accomplished after the pandemic was just awesome it was great but every year for georgetown and maybe other schools too i don't follow everybody it doesn't seem like anything's building off of the next season so like for instance i know you had jeff ehrman on you know georgetown's best player returning decided that instead of learning how to play center under patrick ewing he'd rather go and play at maryland okay you know, Georgetown, a lot, they, they lost three really important seniors in Jamarco Pickett, Javon Blair, and Chudier Belay. So it just seems like, I, I guess what I don't see is where anything's building off of the previous season. And at some point, guys just keep leaving. And I know college basketball is happening a lot, but it just seems to happen at Georgetown more than other places. And like I said, those seniors that left, they all had the chance to come back. I don't think any of them are actually NBA guys. I get making money playing elsewhere, but I, I, you know, so Ben, I know that you pay attention less than you used to, but do you understand what I'm saying? And that the, everyone's really jazzed up about what happened in the Big East tournament. And look, I went out and got like a Big East tournament hat. So I can't say I'm not, I'm not part of that a little bit, but I don't see where it's building off of each other. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 I mean, that's the point sort of like when we talk about skepticism, okay, it's cool. They, they, they did play better down the stretch. I don't think it was just, they got hot for four days of the Big East tournament. There were signs of progress yeah. late in the year, but yeah. But then what, right? Like we're talking about the Washington football team. We're saying, okay, at least I was saying they won five of seven at the end of last year. The, the, the team had some other hot streaks in the previous regime under Jay Gruden and others. But there was always, it was like, yeah, I don't know. It feels like kind of fluky. They, they you know, whoever was, whatever year, like they, you, you had a hot streak with Todd Collins. That was pretty all that. But like, you know, that was some, awesome. Yeah, some some things like that. But with this, with with the football team last year, you have guys like Chase Young and Antonio Gibson, a lot of young players that are up and coming, and you you had money to work with in the salary cap, and Ron Rivera seemed to have a new energy around here for Georgetown. You know, like the the guys who were the best players weren't going to be returning. Javon Blair, uh, Jamarco Pickett. I mean, they both because of this weird system uh, scenario with COVID could have in theory come back, but it doesn't appear that's happening. Blair certainly is out. So then, what? Like, what's the thing beyond that? Well, okay, well we have Wahab and we have a point guard who was named the 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 the, 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 tor- the uh, yeah. MVP of the Big East tournament. Now Wahab leaves. Yeah, in the five star, so that's good. But like, yes are you building on what are you building on you know if you're just going to have these sort of every year is different which to some degree is kind of where things are in college basketball right now it's not just a georgetown thing but then you better be getting you know big recruits constantly in order to maintain something now they did get a five-star recruit we'll see but um look i uh, this was a fun podcast we're not going to turn this into the (laughs) usual the usual like 
uh, Debbie Downer thing talking about Georgetown the way we can get. It's not Debbie Downer. We're just being more realistic, I think, than other people want to be. But look, it was a fun ride at the, in the Big East tournament. Good for Georgetown for getting back in the NCAAs. I'm happy that everybody got to experience that, even if that loss to Colorado was kind of ugly. And they did get a good recruit. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, to what end? That, that's the thing. Can you build off of something? It would be, I mean, Ron Rivera and Patrick Ewing knew each other when uh, Ewing was coaching uh, as an assistant in Charlotte. I would be yeah. curious to, to, to get them both on the podcast to sort of talk about does that aspect of building on momentum. Uh, something tells me that may not happen, but hey, I'm going to put it out in the universe. You never know. No, um, you should. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess. Okay. So yeah, you've called me. You said all these nice things about me, which, you know, your checks in the mail. I guess what I'm just trying to say is, you know, the main listeners of this podcast looking for just an overview of what's going on with Georgetown. And while last season was really good after their pause, which they recovered from very well, I, I just, I can't say that they're, that they're, you know, a team that I just, I, I just don't know what to make of them until I see some stability. And maybe that's just a college basketball problem. I don't know, but it would be nice to see some stability to be where I could be rah, rah, a little bit and i haven't i haven't gotten to that point um i i i hear me anything at this point so this was obviously a big day with baldwin is there anything on the horizon we need to be paying attention to uh yeah with I, think, I think for the nerds and i know this is one of the places where we usually hang out at some point is based on all the guidance that dc has received recently about fans and all that stuff normally kenner league which starts around the 4th of July, which is, it's actually the, the the Nike Pro City League, but it's called the Kenner League. It's just sort of tradition, not just Georgetown players, although most of all the Georgetown players play in it. But, you'll, you know, you'll get Mason, you'll get Maryland, you'll get GW, you'll get guys that used to play in the area that now are playing overseas. It's kind of a cool event. It's definitely very niche, as you know, but that's kind of a, it's, it's one of like the markers when you're marching towards the season. So based on everything we've seen from other places, it seems like we might get some Kenner League this year. So that would kind of be the next thing to look forward to. Um, all right, last thing. At this point, there's nobody listening but you and nobody's listening to this. I randomly, while we were doing this, I came across, I follow the, uh, which account is this, Big East Hoops 24-7 account. Okay. And they put out the... 1991-92, all Big East teams as selected by the Big East writers. Uh, I've got a first team, all rookie team, as well as player of the year, rookie of the year, coach of the year. I normally wouldn't spring this on anybody, but you have an, uh, an elephant-type brain. You, I don't even know if you were you, – you know, you, I don't even know where you were in your Georgetown-ness. I think you, you, were, you weren't even here yet, but I'm going to guess you have some thoughts. Would you like to guess – what, we can just start with the basics. What Georgetown players, if any, were on any of these teams? All Big East, just the top, the top team. All well, ninety-one, ninety-two. That that's Alonzo's senior year. So I think he was was he if he wasn't player there, he was definitely on the first team. He was player of the year, and he was the center on the first team. Yeah. I mean, there is a rookie of there's a, somebody on the rookie team. So I feel like we're talking like we got like Terry DeHair. Terry DeHair is on the first team, yes. Uh, we got like a Lawrence Moten. He was rookie of the year, 
all, uh, all he was a rookie of the year and all, obviously all on the all rookie team. I think for the all tournament team, I want to say so Georgetown lost that final on a buzzer beater to Syracuse and Dave Johnson was like their big guy, I want to say. So Dave Johnson was the on the first team here. I'm not even even see this is what I'm saying. I'm not even asking why we didn't name the rest of it. I was just telling the name Georgetown guys. They're still oh. they're still oh, no, sorry. No, no, you're good. I, I I'm, I'm I'm impressed. Um Lawrence Moten, probably my all-time favorite Syracuse player, or him or Sherman Douglas, even if I'm not allowed to have a famous a favorite Syracuse player, but I mean, I'm trying to think of Connecticut guys. I mean, you might be looking at like Malik Seeley from St. John's. Malik Seeley is on that team. So Ben, I'm going to be honest. This is also like my prime childhood, like collecting card stage. And I'm trying to think of the cards. Um, You know, I feel like this might be too, this might be too young for Danielle Marshall. I'm trying to think of Syracuse. I'm trying to think of Connecticut guys. No, Don- Danielle Marshall's on the rookie team. Uh, the, the, the one player you have left on the first team is a Connecticut player. <sighs> You there is a on the rookie team. Did he end up playing in the NBA? Uh, I don't think so. On, on the rookie team, there's a Providence player, a Connecticut player, and a Georgetown player. That you on the rookie in. team. Oh God! I mean, for Georgetown, actually, he's a guy that still goes to games. He's great. I think it's Urban Church. <laughs> that is correct. So he he's one of those guys that had like this like incredible freshman season, and then. He stuck around and Iverson shows up before you know it. And he doesn't like, he's a big supporter of the program. Um, he had a great freshman year. Georgetown, I mean, God, they had, they, they just had a guard problem. David Edwards had transferred. Um, so wait, Providence, I'm thinking, uh, Eric Murdoch. Incorrect. You finally got something wrong. Wait, what? On the all rookie team? Okay, Michael Smith. Correct. Fun fact: I was I play I was I didn't play a game, but he was he and I were in the same random gym once in a pickup game situation uh, during his Providence uh, times. There's another another local guy. Uh, Brian Fair is the other is the other Connecticut player on the All Rookie oh, team. Yeah. On, on the first team All Big East, it's Chris Smith. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And the last thing you missed, I mentioned Coach of the Year was a category. Oh. Well, let me think about Coach of the Year. I was um, going to tell you. Was Tuesday. it PJ? No, it's John Thompson. Oh. Hey. Okay. Well, uh, that's that's what happened. Um, all right. So, that, so that, Ben, this is like the most fun I've had in weeks, actually. Well, look, I, the, the, like I said, I, you know, <laughs> if, if for no other reason, this is why I was telling people to go, you know, but, but Bobby's not just a pretty face. He knows what he's talking about. Uh, now and anything that happened over the course of history. Um, to be fair, that like I said, to be fair, that's definitely right in my wheelhouse of um, caring about the league. <laughs> uh, I, I I hear you. it's good. It's good. It's good to care about things. All right. Uh, if anybody's still listening to this, that's into the usual conversation here. I uh, either way, I greatly appreciate you guys checking out the podcast uh more podcasts to come i don't know what else i don't don't anticipate an emergency podcast now that the schedule and the charles leno signings out of the way but there's more to come next week uh rookie minicamp is this weekend so we can discuss that and who knows what else is out there in the world of the washington football team but you know i'll, I'll keep bringing uh the guests the thoughts and um we'll go from there that's it for now 
Go follow Bobby on Twitter at, at Bobby Bancroft and check out the Kente Corner podcast. You can follow me uh, on Twitter at Ben Standing and read my stuff on The Athletic. But that's it for now. Until next time, see ya.